Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by our pastor, Chris McQueen. Let me tell you, this has been an interesting, uh, an interesting week this week for me. Uh, it's it's kind of felt like a little bit of a journey of the of the soul, um, and so that is going to give some shape and some breadth to uh, where I'm going to reflect this morning. Uh, we're staying very much in the lane of this uh, contemplation of what it means when we proclaim Jesus as Lord, when we say those words, when we say Jesus is Lord, or when we say Lord Jesus, or when we refer to him as Lord or sing about him as Lord, what does that, what does that mean? Um, I remain convinced that, uh, that this is important for us in, in this season, uh, that it's important for us in, in every season. And so, uh, I'm going to do something that I don't often do, and I'm actually going to read a little bit from uh, from my journal this week. Um, I I can I can say that I have had um, some experiences with the Lord uh, this week, um, and so I'm I'm grateful uh, for those doesn't mean that um, doesn't mean that I'm, I'm any more big on, on on answers or have the ticket on how to do all this stuff super duper well um, but I, I, but I, I, I believe that God is speaking and so that's very encouraging I but before I do that I want I want to say this one I this one thought that came to me I don't want to get lost it was just kind of during worship. Uh, oh, by the way, one other thing. <laughs> okay, we're going to do communion at the end of my talk. Okay, so um, uh, just so that you're aware of that, if, if at some point you want to disappear and grab some elements or something, if you have any available, and as we say every week, if you don't have conventional elements available, I just speak a blessing of freedom to you. There's significance in 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 the bread. There's significance in in uh, the, the the juice or the wine or whatever it is that you use. Um, but it's not like religiously the, the 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 central thing, right? So if you if you got like you know some some juice or some water and a cookie or whatever, you know you do you do you this morning with that. But um, that'll be towards the end of the talk. All right. So this thing, this is called an icon. And we're all very familiar with this, I think, by now. This is something that has accompanied me throughout my pastoral uh, life um, for, for a little while, and certainly during our time uh, over the last couple of years. It's, it's been uh, on the table most of the time. And, um, and I just want to talk about this for a second, because I, I, I had a thought that I think it pertains to the season that we're in. Um, because, you know, this at the end of the day is... is uh, you probably can't see it here, but this is a laminate piece of like, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily wood. It might be some kind of like chipboard or, or something. No, it is wood. It's, it's laminate wood, but it's, you know, it, there's not much to it. Uh, in itself, it does not, it does not bring me any closer to Jesus. Um, it is, it's some artwork, intentional. 
though it may be. It's imperfect. Um, I don't think Jesus is quite as white as, as the, or <laughs> yellow as the case may be, um, uh, as what we see represented here. So it's, it's, it's faulty. It's not quite sufficient. Um, but, but it's an icon and, and, and I, I've alluded this to this in the past, but an icon is a way of, of leading our gaze. It's a way of leading our, uh, our attention. And, um, and it's not an idol. Um, the church has sort of historically had a complicated relationship with the distinction between idols and icons. Um, an idol wants to suck your gaze in to itself. An idol wants to claim you and you want to claim it. That's, that's what makes things so funky in relationships with, with idols, is that they try to supplant God. Um, but an icon is different. An icon, um, it, doesn't try to, it doesn't try to hold your gaze. It doesn't try to own it. What an icon does is it, is it draws your attention past itself to what it is that it's reflecting to us. And so when we behold something like an icon, it, it's, it's not the thing itself. It's what it's pointing to. It's what it's leading us towards, which is why it's so valuable to me. And so a number of times this week as I've been praying, I've looked at this and I've, and I've allowed this to focus my attention on, on Jesus. And so um, that's a spiritual practice, right? That's a spiritual discipline that's part of how I, my prayer life. And I'm that kind of guy. Not everyone is that kind of person. And I bless you to be, you know, you be you with regards to this stuff. Um, but here's what I want to say about this Zoom gig that we have right now, this Zoom world. Um, I'm looking at a screen, you guys. I'm looking at a screen and so are you. And the screen is not your faces. The screen is a bunch of, uh, you know, it's a bunch of technology. It's a bunch of liquid crystals or whatever it is that you have that are assembling themselves in ways that are reminiscent to your faces. And, uh, you know, and, and so it's faulty. It's, you know, I don't have a great resolution here. The color scheme is off. Some of you look a little bit green, um, you know, whatever, like things are, it's, it's imperfect. And, um, but there's something that is profound. I think I'm in this, this looking, how are we connected to each other and what does this time mean? And how are we engaging with this? How are we engaging with what we are calling like our church service? The technology and the content and the experience is it it is it's a lousy idol first of all because we're not good enough. This is not. A, I mean, it's you know, this is a good experience. But let's be honest. There's more entertaining ways to spend this time. There's more, you know. Um, but I want to invite us to encounter and to, or to engage with our technology um, as 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 an icon of community almost as as a way of of saying i am looking at this i'm looking at this picture uh uh right now and and i you know uh me and miranda i'm looking at and and i'm and and right now i'm you know it's like i am seeing that there's a connection right here and i'm looking at the wilsons and i'm looking i'm looking at tim and Ange, and i'm and i'm and, and kaya and, I, and i'm um or karis and i'm i'm just you know, these are. This is a method of 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 connection to each other in that same sense of the icon is because it's fa it's failing us in some level. It's hard. It's not adequate. And so that image came to my mind, and I've I've just sucked up at least a third of the time I wanted to take preaching. But I, I think it's important because 
Um, our connection to one another is really important in this time, and our um, and and how we are uh, how we are utilizing our technology not to not to lead us to to tech, because that's a thing. We have to be cautious and, and aware. But utilizing our tech to connect us to one another, to connect us, um, even as the case may be, to the Lord, to, to give a sense of in, of intimacy. And so I don't know where that fits in the middle of everything, but it seemed important at the time. So, so there. I wrote this a couple days ago. The, the Lordship of Jesus in our lives is measured in, in the direction that we face, in the movement that is happening, that in our movement. So it, Lordship of Jesus is, is measured and reflected in our direction, in our movement, and, and in our, I'm going to use a big word here, in our emergence, which is to say what or who we are becoming. This is, this is where the Lordship of Jesus shows up in our lives. This is how we can measure what, it, what we mean when we say Jesus is Lord and how connected and tethered we are to that reality is expressed in these in these in these ways and um and 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 for me in that moment that felt that felt important because it felt like there was some element of of intention that i could bring to these things of of intention to that i could bring to to what the direction of my life is in other words what am i facing how am I how am I turning and directing my life to the to not even just to the things of God, although let's say that because that's not bad, but to Jesus. To to Jesus. How am I how am I moving to towards him? Just to say following him. And how am I becoming towards Jesus? Which by the way is always in the resemblance of Jesus. And then the and then a, a day or two later wrote this Jesus is not a means or a method, a life strategy or even a way to access God. He's not He's not exclusively those things. He's not defined by those things. It's not a method or a means, a strategy, or even a way, a key. Jesus is the wholesale, total destination of a life well lived. Full stop. Jesus is the destination. He is the way, which we're going to talk about in a second, because he is the point. He's, he's the way because he's the destination. 
And he's also the way because he's the companion. And everything else, every other kind of focus or destination, it, it comes and goes and it gets blown around. Jesus is the wholesale destination, the total, complete destination of a life well lived. It's the only question that will matter in the end. And then I, I also wrote this. This is just kind of Chris's confessional morning, I guess. I feel a growing desperation in my life. One that is moving in a couple of directions. One is desperate for the things that look like worldly success and thriving in this world. There's a desperation that I feel for those things, for security, for a long-term plan, for health, for being awesome in general. I would like that. And the other desperation is a desperation for the Lord. And that's a thing. I feel that. And, and what I saw, I saw a scale. I saw a scale, kind of like, you know, like a point, and then there's this... This isn't going to work. I didn't, because my gut pages are not quite balanced here, but there we go. So I saw, I saw something balanced and we're trying to be balanced. And on one side was all of the other, all of that, the desperations for the, for the, the world, the way of like rocking life. And on the other side, I saw the desperation that I have for Christ. And what I felt like in the moment, what I, what I wrote, is that these desperations don't hold the balance. They're not designed to. They're not designed to. They're not counterweights. It doesn't work that way. One will tip the scales. And on, on one hand, I have everything. And all the stuff, all the things, all the pursuits. And on the other hand, I have I have Christ, and He and He's alone in that. So I ask the question: Does my Lord tip the scales over and against all other desperations, all other desires, wants, and needs? And then I felt like the Lord reminded me: I'm going to get to partake of many things in life, many gifts to partake of. Some health, some, uh, you know, some wealth uh, in, in life. I have anyway. Many gifts, but I can only cling to the Lord Jesus if the Lord Jesus is in fact my Lord. Cling to as in with that desperation. Anchor my desperation. Choose my desperation. Desperation is kind of a given in this world at some point. And I can't cling to both of those things. They won't hold the tension. These are some of the thoughts that have been rolling around in my mind, and so this brought me this morning, or this this brought me to uh, to Jesus talking in in John, and it's John chapter fourteen, and I I don't have the text to bring up on the screen for this morning, but I think it's okay. It's a short passage. Jesus is talking about going somewhere, going to prepare a place, his father's house, 
It's a pretty, pretty famous text. It's the Last Supper, John's account of, of that last meal together. And Jesus says, you know the way, you know where I'm, you know. And, and Thomas says, uh, Lord, I don't know that we do know the way. <laughs> right? Thomas is asking some great questions. And we've, I mean, this is a, a text we've hung out in before. So I'm going to pick up with Thomas here. Thomas says, Lord, we, we actually don't know where you're going. And so how can we know the way? And Jesus replied with these words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you've known me, you'll know my Father too. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And the, 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 the kind of, I, I shared some of those passages because they were the germ of, the, of, of, of some of the passages from my, um, my own journal because they were the germ that led me to this very famous phrase of Jesus that's on all sorts of bumper stickers and all, all, all kinds of tracks and stuff. I'm, you know, the way, the truth, and the life. And that phrase just resonated for me in response to some of these hungers and some of these ponderings and, and asking the question of what it looks like to have Jesus manifest as Lord in my life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Use a big word here. Christology. Our understanding of who Jesus is. This is, this is the... Um, the, the, when we talk about the treasures of heaven, when we talk about all the wisdom of, of, of heaven, when Paul is, is talking about, you know, praying for these, for these gifts of insight and wisdom, what he's talking about is a revelation of Jesus. He's, ne he's, he's never talking past that point. It's, it's, you know, I think he understood very well that Jesus, Jesus is the destination. The person of Jesus is the destination. And, um, and so that our understanding of who Jesus is, our understanding of him as the Christ, what does that mean? Christ the Lord is very important. And so those three words that he proclaims that he is feel really important to me. Way, truth, life. I want to just take a few minutes uh, with those words this morning. Jesus says, I am the way. Um, what he's talking about is a pathway. He's talking about a roadway. He's talking about the, the, the thing on which you travel to get from point A to point B. Um, even he's talking about uh, the manner in which you might do something. That word is appropriate there as well. Um, the, the means, right? And, um, and when I did a bit of a search on, on how this word gets used in the New Testament, um, and I suspected that this would be the case, um, one of the other phrases, we're going to hang in John totally for this morning. Uh, John chapter 1, 23, um, John writes of the Baptist, John the Baptist, different guy, different John, says, 
John says, I am the voice of one shouting in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Make straight the way of the Lord. It's the same kind of word there. It's the same usage. And and what I want to, what resonated for me was that the way that is being referenced here, and I believe the way that Jesus is speaking as of himself in the shape of, is the way that's discovered in the wilderness. That's the that's one of the most beautiful, powerful, resonant parts of Isaiah is that there's a wilderness and there's, and the wilderness is a scary, frightening place where um, there is great risk and where you're lost and where you don't have access to food and, and, and shelter and you come across a way in the wilderness and it is a way that is uh, redirects your life. And so that image to me of finding a way in the wilderness is powerful. And I don't know if you've ever been lost in the wilderness. If you've been lost in something resembling a wilderness. I have a couple of times. I suspect most of us have a couple of times. What's that feeling that we get when we stumble across a path that has very obviously not been cut through by a deer or something, but is in fact a man-made path that you know goes that you know must lead somewhere do you know what that feeling is looking for some nodding heads is this a familiar experience okay so if jesus is the way part of the lordship of his what it means for him to be lord is that when we're in the wilderness and we and we stumble across a path that has been cut that has been made straight through the wilderness that we follow it, that we turn and set our feet and follow in that path that Jesus says he is. Under our feet, Jesus in the wilderness. You know, we don't just stumble across it and say, hey, civilization, can't be too far. That's awesome. It's going left and right. I'm going to keep going straight. You know, it's it's like there's a there's a following in this. But it's so hopeful if you're in the wilderness, as most of us are in some measure, follow, following the way. Second word here, truth. This is also not complicated. Truth refers to that which is true. That which is consistent reality that's probably a really great way to, to think of this and jesus says i am the truth a really good way to understand that would be to hear him say to you and to me i am the reality i am what's real um i in 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 this jesus is this is important here so when i did again a, a bit of a word study unsurprisingly shows up in john a bunch of times he cares a lot about truth this one is interesting to me. It's from John 18 when Jesus is hanging out with Pilate and they're having a really uncomfortable conversation. And Jesus is talking about his kingdom. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my servants would be fighting to keep me handed from, from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. But as it is, which is, as you can see, this my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate says, ah, so you are a king. So we have this language of lordship and there's a bit of a power struggle that's happening here. And Jesus is fighting it all wrong, you know. 
And Jesus replies, well, you say that I'm a king. And for this reason, I was born and came. And for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asks uh, a classic kind of like Greco-Roman philosophical question that still haunts us to this day. It's the primary question that you, you know, existential question that you engage with if you, depending on what you would take in university, Pilate responds with the question, what is truth? And he says it to Jesus. Can you, can you imagine? Jesus, you know, Jesus says, I came to testify to the truth. And Pilate's like, what is truth? He tries to diffuse him with that, right? And Jesus does not respond to that, really. Not really. He doesn't give him the answer. He doesn't shut him up. But I, but I, I want you to notice something. The narrator, John, the writer, for John, for the writer, and for us, for the reader, and for the disciples who knew this story, the, 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 the answer to Pilate's existential question is literally staring him in the face. Right? Jesus' unspoken answer to Pilate is so clear to John, to the writer, it is this, I am. What is truth? Jesus, I am truth. And what I think is really important for us in our journey and understanding the Lordship of Jesus this morning is that he doesn't role play. Jesus does not role play. He doesn't put on a character, you know, with some of you, there may be moments where I would say, I'm just going to take my pastor hat off for a second and put my friend hat on. We maybe have had that conversation. I've had that conversation with other people. You know, and that's because, you know, it's, we all have roles that we inhabit, right? But Jesus is just, Jesus simply intrinsically is. He's not role playing, right? He doesn't step into the role of savior or step into the role of king or brother or friend or lover of our soul or even Lord. It's not a role that he steps into. He simply is, right? He is what he is. We can comfortably say to the Lord Jesus, hey, listen, you do you. And the result of him doing that, which is what he does anyways, is who he is. And so I just want to invite us into the reality of that, to look at Jesus, to take him as he is, in the simplicity of that. There is no deception in him, no subterfuge, no misdirection. Although he did like to tell, he did like to spin some interesting stories that were a little bit confusing, but it wasn't for the sake of tricking people. It's for the sake of leading. And finally, this. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And here we're talking about that thing that animates our lives, that animates who we are, the, 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 the part of us that is, that is the breathing, the, the acting, the, the loving, the container, the whole bit, the animation of life, Jesus says he is. And this is where I want to transition to us again to what is a metaphor, but is an important one for us in this table thing that we do. Because when Jesus uses the word life, he's not kidding. 
When he uses the word life, he doesn't he never he doesn't bookend it. With you and with I and with every other kind of thing, our understanding of what it means to be living, breathing creatures, we book and we have to because we know that that starts. We know that we know we're born. We know we're going to die. We bookend it, but in in, in that is, and and that will always be the case with the any kind of lordship that exists in this world, any kind of idolatry, any kind of thing that steps into that role it, it it may animate us for a time but it will not animate us forever but with jesus he every time he uses the word life it is not book ended it is eternal this is what he says over and over again life that does not end eternal life the forever life with god this is powerful and he says he is that life but there's two things that i wanted to point and again we're going to hang in john so John 4, he meets a woman at the well, and he says, I'm thirsty, can you pour me a drink? You guys are familiar with this story, right? And at some point in his interaction with this woman, uh, he says, whoever drinks some of the water that I give them will never be thirsty again. But the water that I give will become a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. He connects life with sustenance, with water. And he does it to somebody who's thirsty, and he does it while he's thirsty. These are interesting things to consider. The nature of our Lord, who doesn't play by our rules. And then in chapter 6 of John, verse 51, he says this, I am the living bread. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. By the way, he's actually referring in some way to, to the manna story. Anyway, he goes on. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is what is my flesh. Jesus says, I am the life. But he says, but, but, but if, if you look at how he uses it, he says, I am, I, I am, I'm not just the thing, I'm actually the sustainer of the thing. The lordship of Jesus isn't where we come and we serve the king. The Lord, Jesus being Lord means we come to his table. In fact, Here's what I wrote, and this is the last thing I wrote in my notes. So from this, we're going to move into taking communion together. This is about sustenance. In order for Jesus to be Lord, truly be our Lord, we must eat at his table. He is the life. 